This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail23. Shopify.com slash retail23. It's Friday. It is the UBP, the UBP, the UBP, and the P. I'm Scott Tilford, your Jules Gill. I think I, I said that every single week, but it's the time that we gather to talk about whatever's going on in the gaming industry. We ask people to submit their questions, their talking points, whatever the hell else they want to talk about. And you did a round of questions asking people when they passed their driving test, which a lot, of people, a lot of people passing it on their first go. I mean, all surrounded by, you know, badasses <laughs> in the arena, right? I didn't realize so many people could just nail it first time, but you're, uh, you're learning the old driving that's why i am yeah yeah the reason i brought it up is because uh as of uh the middle of september i've got my first driving lesson i'm 34 years old and i'm finally learning to drive Uh, i just like i just put it off for so long because i was uh, unfortunately involved in a few car accidents as a kid and it was a case of just like i don't fancy uh getting behind the wheel Uh of something that could potentially kill another person (laughs) but now i've given up all hope so who cares let's go let's go to hell you see your first one's still coming up so we should we'll check back in with you in the coming weeks yeah yeah i'm actually doing a series over on uh, Live and Let's Dice where I'm using video games to uh, teach me how nice. to drive uh, but in like the worst possible way so I played a game uh, last Wednesday which was called You Suck at Parking and you play <laughs> this tiny it. little car and you just zoom around you can't stop Honestly, if you stop you immediately like that's where your go ends you've right. got to try and hit the car parking spaces perfectly each time Honestly when I was like learning to drive I would go on GTA and like and like follow the traffic lights and <laughs> park my car not where I would say to learn <laughs> how to drive No but like you get an idea of like physical 3D space of like I need to like move like if you're in like a parallel park it's like I need to big reverse back and then back into the street so I would yeah, yeah I would like literally I like, try and park and do the rules of the road I would try and play GTA um, like cosplay style and I'm um, trying to do that the, the mods for GTA 4 that let you play as a policeman and you've basically oh, got to like a, a yeah. obey, obey the speed limits you've got to make sure that people are like um, are, like doing uh, like abiding by the law yeah. it's just crazy There's how a whole boring thing. it must be I don't know if it's like, um, GTA 5 or like as like a well, of GTA Online where people just like essentially LARP and just sort of like play like play the roles like yeah you've got police officers you've got people being builders and construction workers and NPCs crazy, and it's like I, I go to work this day and I go to the construction <laughs> site and then I hang out with the boys and then I go on a car chase and everything else um, but yeah like I said we get, I've always asked people for whatever they'd like us to talk about and so I'll get through or we'll get through as many questions as we can hopefully more than two usually maximum I, I, three maximum I think, three <laughs> I think our track record is like three or four um, but first question from McAllister NYC who says will the announced PlayStation 5 price 
price hikes slow down unit sales or is the high demand and low supply not going to make that much of a difference um, does this also benefit Microsoft cheers fellas have an awesome weekend well same Thank to you, you and everyone else did you catch the news that Sony's hiking the old PS5 price so what they're doing it because of the fact that it's like so desirable so in demand that they just figure that they can well, like it's that's it's like... that's my read of it they say it's it's due to global economic factors and um, they say that it's harder to make that's... the ps5 so they need to put the price up i think that they finally got on top of their supply chain and they're just putting the price up that's yeah. i mean the thing is is that like i totally um there are obviously businesses out there that are going to be affected by everything that's been going on this mm-hmm. last couple of years and you know supply issues have unfortunately mean uh, meant that they have t- uh, to incur a greater cost mm-hmm. now i am always of the uh, mindset that we should not foot the bill for the uh, situations that are going on on decisions now this is outside of their control to an extent mm-hmm. it's not like um how we always say about like i spent 50 million dollars on puddle graphics and therefore you have to pay a higher <laughs> price for that video yeah. game this is slightly different mm-hmm. so but but sony is a mega company it is making money hand over fist no matter oh, what yeah. it does and it also it took a loss when it made the ps3 i think it might have even done the same with the ps2 didn't it that the hardware components were so expensive at the time oh man they yeah made, they made, thing with um, yeah, because the ps2 they, was the first dvd console they they made a loss each time that they did it but they mm-hmm. made it back from all of the first party games and everything else that they sold mm-hmm. alongside it i don't see why that mentality can't be adopted here because the last thing that people want to hear in a world of ever rising prices for their fuels for food for everything mm-hmm. is that your entertainment is now being gatekept yeah like gatekept by a a price it, like it's, it's literally a barrier to entry that you have no control of like well, what are you gonna do was... go and ask your boss for a raise so that you can buy a PS5 now? Like it's- Please, sir. Because the thing is that in, in, in the UK, it's in every territory except North America. So it's like in the UK, it's going up by £30. So instead of 450 it's going to be 480 mm-hmm. Um And it's the same thing with the, uh, the discless version as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I see, for me, Sony always have that wing of the company that is just kind of opportunistic and like wants to see what they can get away with. Like, um, you know, the whole thing with the PlayStation 3, how overpriced that thing was. And they were like, oh, you know, you'll, you'll want to get two jobs to pay for this. And everyone was like, no, we mm-hmm. won't. And it just killed the whole thing. And so when they started announcing the £70 price point for PS5 games, I feel like a lot of the reaction was, okay, but proof's in the pudding. Where the hell are the games? And then they've gone, well, we're remaking The Last of Us 1 again. £70, please. (laughs) And it's like, not really, but okay. And so, yeah, I see it as just like an opportunistic thing. And also, I saw, I think it was Windows Central's uh, Jez Corden reached out to um, Microsoft, and the general quote from them was that they're not raising the price at all, and neither on Nintendo. Um, I would argue, I said in the news video that we did yesterday with that I did with Josh, that like Nintendo's version of a price hike is just the OLED Switch they, they were just like let's just put another interim console out they never go their first party games never go on sale no, exactly, so it's yeah. like they are making money like regardless of Nintendo's this so they can keep yeah. it's, it's so bizarre but <laughs> Sony like I feel like uh, if the other giants in the industry are absolving that hit mm. Sony refusing to do that seems very strange I think it's just that they know they're a market leader like they it depends on country but like they're right next to the switch they have a lot of market dominance there's just if you're Jim Ryan and you're counting the pennies then you might as well crank it up a little bit um, because it's like it always looks great for the investors doesn't it (laughs) the thing is I'm re-watching Breaking Bad at the minute after Better Call Saul and there's a bit where Walter's talking about like corner the market and then hike the price up he's like oh it's business 101 and I'm just like that literally feels like what they're doing Um, but but the thing is is that we, we don't want Sony to turn into the Ben Shapiro or whatever his name is that, uh, the, the most punchable man in the universe who right. decided to take the is it Ben Shapiro the guy He's who like uh, to, he took the um, the medication and then the HIV medication then oh no you mean um, Martin Shkreli that's the one yeah yeah the yeah. most punchable face man in the world okay. um 
that is not what Sony needs to become. They need good market PR. They need to be able to actually be able to say, hey, uh, we're doing this for the players because remember yeah. that was kind of our gimmick remember, remember for a while. Was your tagline when you did stuff yeah. that like everyone could play and everyone was affordable and wanted to do and everything. Um, but yeah, in terms of the um, the split, I mean, uh, McCallis is talking about like the high demand, the low supply, and they, the recent reports are that um, Sony have got back on top of their supply. Although in the comment section for our video and general social media stuff is still saying that people can't find PS5s. So yeah. Sony are saying we've done it, everything's fine, um, or at least they're in that direction. But, I but guess everyone we'll see. else is saying no, and much like. <laughs> the housing market that is technically already collapsing well, but yeah, the banks are refusing thing. to say that it is it's very much like the big short version 2 yeah just just be in denial keep screaming loudly with your hands over your I'm ears I'm sure that'll work out I'm sure that'll work out it always works out yeah it'll do it but yeah I mean if, they, if the supply is low but the price is high then it's one of those things where even if you can find one they want to charge you more I mm-hmm. still think that this only works if the supply is high because then it's like oh you can then you get all the um, excitement around the fact that the PS5 is finally available but you have to pay a mm-hmm. little bit more and they're hoping that you will pay that little bit more either way they are the only one of these companies doing this for now so I guess we'll see how it shakes out very bizarre to be in a situation where like because most people uh, or con- most consoles have it said that they, they're out for a little bit mm-hmm. the price goes down yet the D-Lows it's like buy this get three games free whatever mm-hmm. like um, that was how it was and you get the excitement of capturing the second wave of hype of like oh this great time to jump on board mm-hmm. now you're paying more for the same if not less because yeah. we still don't have those first party titles that are enticing people enough to jump in in the first place no in fact I'll, I was going to we got some more questions about the general state of gaming I'll roll these in now and then we'll get to sure, some yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Um, so we did on Honest NPC said, hello, gents. Thanks for the best podcast. Well, thank you very oh, much. Oh, cheers. Thank he you. He says, question, has gaming gone stale? I got both next-gen consoles at launch, but I'm yet to see any game experiences that weren't possible on last-gen machines. The only new feature is the Xbox Quick Resume. Love to hear your <laughs> thoughts and stay great. Also, we had Morgan Eyes Only saying, do we still enjoy AAA games? Seems like every AAA game across the last generation or so has been a complete... Uh, sorry, over the, over the past generation has been a complete letdown. I wouldn't say the um, entire generation, but I would say the last few years. Yeah, it's been harder to pick out the the best of the best at the moment, or maybe it's just because of the fact there's so few of them that it's just mm. they seem to all glob together. Um, there are some outstanding games like out there. I absolutely loved uh, the Ratchet and Clank game. I finally got a chance to play that. On oh, PS5. did I love Rift Apart? Yeah. Um, there's lots of like individual experiences that are on the uh, current gen consoles that arguably could have worked on prior mm. gen, but things like that instant loading for Ratchet and Clank, for example, that wouldn't have been possible uh, to do it. That's slickly i do feel like there is elements of games like that that really are unique to what can be done with this console however do i think the consoles as a whole are a bit tired and stale yeah man i mean like i've been a pc player for a long time and mm. i hate to jump on this very old bandwagon but <laughs> pc gaming offers you so much flexibility you play retro games you play uh, brand new games you've got vr integration you've got loads of interesting indie developers at very low price points comparable to um the console mm-hmm. uh, cost so it's I know that the barrier to entry to jump onto a decent PC is much higher but when you're looking at what we were just saying about the PlayStation 5's mm-hmm. price hike for double the cost of a PS5 you could get yourself a fairly decent gaming PC that would play you most things that would like, assumedly last a long time as well that would, yeah it would last a long time as well mm-hmm. because there's so many like games that come out that aren't relying on graphics to be the selling point and if they are there's always options to lower the uh, graphical settings down enough mm-hmm. that you can play it It's because for me I, like uh, console stuff is the reason I'm a console gamer and not a PC gamer is ease of access like I want to just put the disc in 
in or download something and it just it just works like I just want to dive yep, in and play I, the I thing I understand that I understand and so but it's interesting in terms of the last few years because more games have way more graphic settings way more like options for mm-hmm. frame rate stuff resolution stuff um, you know so do you want to turn ray tracing on or off do you want to have all these different like V-Sync do you want to have motion blurring like all these things that I'm saying I just want whatever you guys make like just make yeah. the product or make the art form and I'll play it but um, are you yeah. are you potentially thinking that the uh, the console as the easy choice is mm. turning into a bit of a fallacy now because it's like with things like Steam uh, becoming such a easy to use storefront and launcher and nearly every games publisher out there providing their own launches uh, and stability fixes and patches and the community being able to get you hot fixes for things that are broken in mm. pretty simple ways mm-hmm. there's even like mod manager uh, programs out there where you literally just download the things you want you press run on this thing and it, it sorts it out for you it's, like, I mean, it's, it's getting into that point now where I say that the argument for ease of access outside of it not potentially being in your living room in front of your big TV mm. is growing it's less and less with each it passing year less. yeah and the thing is like, having had a Steam Deck and getting lost in all like the, the way that that thing gets set up like if you just if you only used if you only played Steam games on the Steam Deck and you weren't bothered about any of the other features of that system then you wouldn't mm-hmm. have to get lost in all the file management side of it but I wanted to set up emulation and I wanted to set up all those things yep. so I kind of got yep. lost in that side of it um, and even things within the Steam UI of like assigning like custom control schemes and um, access mods and stuff like that those things it's not like it's intimidating but there's an extra level of like am I breaking the game as I do this I just want to make sure it yeah. works and I don't yeah. know how much the console industry or the console um, mindset is based on here's the version you know you're buying the right one you know it's going to work you don't have to like mess with it a little bit and it's like it's like CD versus vinyl or something it's like well if you get a better needle type or a different cable or like this gold tinted thing you can get just a little bit more sound out of this vinyl um, and I'm just like I like that idea but I just want to I just want to listen to the song i just wanted to work and so yeah. i i don't know it's a, i like the idea of the customization side of it and i get people get so lost in that of like if you just do this little thing you can crank this slider and this extra vaa yeah. sync yeah. thing i just at some point i just want to play the it, game it can get confusing to to start with but i would say that my rebuttal to that is how many times have you put in a uh, disc day one mm. had to download a huge day one patch and for mm-hmm. it to then not work as oh, totally. expected yeah. whereas the pc things it's like Look at how when um, I believe that it was Dark Souls when it launched uh, on the PC, mm-hmm. it launched with like quite uh, like a frame rate issue or some sort of like staggering issue. And that was fixed within, I think, a record of like like 20, 30 minutes or so like after, or maybe like a couple of hours after right. the game launched by the community and a, and a hotfix was going around mm-hmm. to people doing that. Like people didn't, don't have to wait when you're playing PC stuff well, because the gamers will fix it themselves. Almost, yeah, like. that's, the, that's the thing. On the Steam Deck, you can tell they're getting there, like Valve are getting there in terms of like making sure the UI is usable in that regard, like making yeah. sure that they're highlighting like, because like I said, in terms of like custom control schemes, like if you're playing old stuff, like I was on Luft, Luft Rousers, which is from like 2014 or whatever, and um, the game will suggest, or the, the UI will suggest a control scheme so you just kind of go okay this is what the community says is the best one mm-hmm. apply that to the game and it, and it quote unquote just works <clears throat> and excuse me that's that's really good and I feel like if you had a UI that highlighted that stuff and sort of it depends how comfortable people are with modding their games if it feels like a mod like in terms of yeah. like you know waiting for the official thing and then is the official patch going to break the mods do I have to uninstall stuff for me I, if that was the case I've already gotten too lost in variables that I just want I don't know how to get back to the thing that I bought kind of thing and I yeah. I remember when I got the Skyrim definitive 
edition and I installed a whole bunch of mods um, and then it just it started breaking and I was like oh I don't I don't know what I've done I don't know, yeah, I don't know which, what bit, which bit is the problem yeah which bit like, doesn't work with the other bit that I've installed and I hated that reality so I was like I'm just never going to do this again <laughs> because I don't trust it <laughs> um, so I think it just depends on um, how sort of gun shy a lot of gamers are or can be because they just want to play the thing that they've bought which definitely mm-hmm. I definitely want to I'm just going to throw this other question in from Corel Type Shaw who says Legends with Sony working on a PC PlayStation launcher and starting releasing their previous exclusives on other platforms will it impact the value proposition of console gaming and incentivize gamers to just build a PC do exclusives even matter anymore cheers from Indonesia cheers well, to you as well my friend cheers my friend um, well I guess you've got to look at how uh, Microsoft has managed to have both uh, the PC market and uh, the Xbox uh, console mm-hmm. out and how those two have both interacted with each other and stood exclusively apart mm-hmm. um, I think that the likes of Game Pass is finally starting to draw those uh, parallels together and people are actually thanking Microsoft for doing that yeah. it's not been a case of either or I know a lot of people that have an Xbox and a PC and just prefer to play different games on each one mm-hmm. and um, that's been Phil Spencer's I, whole thing is that we don't care where you game as long as you game on Xbox and it's exactly. like oh sorry you'll game yeah, yeah. in that ecosystem yeah yeah exactly so I feel like um, with Sony doing that they're actually just trying to catch up to what's mm-hmm. already been done um, I think that Xbox and Game Pass will probably end up being the great success story of this console generation going mm-hmm. forward because uh, you look at it it's the biggest advancement that we've had being able to tie games together to have all of these games at uh, subscription model pricing for them to mostly work pretty well and be mm-hmm. fixed pretty quickly and for some to even offer cross play between games like I feel like that is connecting gamers in a way that uh, didn't happen until Xbox Live pretty much dropped yeah. back in the day. It is like a thing though. It, it does it does make me think of that. Like, am I just better off? Like long long term, you probably are better off. Like you said before, just getting a PC because you just mm-hmm. it's a bigger investment up front, but you're sorted for the next few years. Maybe even the next two console cycles or something. And then something like um, it was just last week, like Death Stranding is going to be on PC and it's yep. part of PC Game Pass. So they can't say yes. it's an Xbox game, but it is. Yeah. Death Stranding is now on Game Pass, and if you have a PC, um, you can also get Horizon. And it's like things like that where it's like okay, if you wait long enough like you get a you get a fixed up version of the game it's not like playstation mm-hmm. games are known to be broken but you'll get a better version of that game anyway and um, plus some of the quote-unquote exclusives it's like they don't class it as a playstation platform exclusive it's just branded playstation exclusive yep. but then it comes to pc anyway so it's like well you might as well just have a pc at this point i mean this is the thing how many times have i told you that i'm the type of guy that i wait for the game of the year mm-hmm. edition to at least to be out for another year before i pick it up because of the fact that i know that everything will be fixed mm-hmm. i will wait for the hype to die down it will be like look i there's one thing that i don't like about gaming is that's people telling me how good something is over and over and over again because of the fact <laughs> that i just go yeah okay i get it but i ain't gonna play it immediately right. so just chill like mm-hmm. I get that this game is great, but I think if something's big I'll wait enough, for the it... hype to die down and then I'll jump on yeah. board and then experience it my own way, sort of thing. I think if something's big enough, it gets people in regard. Like I'll just jump on everything because it's yeah. Me. I know, but yeah, like yeah. I think that if something's big enough, like Elden Ring, then we're all like, okay, let's see what the deal is with Elden Ring, and that gets yeah. the wider net of people in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the, this whole thing about like gaming being stale and gaming feeling different. I just did a video on why the industry feels broken, which I went through like ten different titles for that on the website. It went up as like um, why people are giving up on gaming because it was that whole mm-hmm. thing about the um, play numbers being down but obviously that's kind of the pandemic but then also um, I was like well is that like wider you know trend that's changing kind of thing but it ended up going up on the YouTubers like why the industry is broken and a right. lot of the comments in there were actually really supportive and just going like yeah I feel this too like I feel the that whole thing of like you're rewarded for waiting you're rewarding, rewarded for not engaging with hype cycles mm-hmm. and not buying day one and um, you're rewarded for not really bother- bothering with AAA stuff day one you might as well wait and then the sheer amount of games that are broken and everything else so I think those things are interesting 
interesting talking points. And it's like, yeah, you're almost rewarded for just getting a PC and giving it a couple of years. And then chances are most of the Xbox or, P- or PlayStation exclusives will have made their way to PC anyway. So it's like, yep. it's just the weirdest industry to be in the middle of to try you, and keep you, up with. You can't predict, I guess, which games are going to get the PC treatment, though, because not no. all PlayStation exclusives are going to end up there. Not all of no. the greatest games from the past will eventually make their way online. So it's like there are just enough exclusives on consoles to justify their existence and like you say it's the ease of access like the archetype is just there it's the right in front of mm-hmm. you don't have to mess around with it it just works in that sense i do um, agree though that like the that where i said this in the video that like we're yet to see any like real this generation exclusive stuff where it's like yeah. i need to buy a ps5 to play mm-hmm. x like i know a lot of people love returnal but there's not really anything that feels like it's maximizing what the console can do like it's going not, back to that previous you know. question like there is mm-hmm. like you say there's nothing that stands out as being this is what the console generation represents Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean i still maintain that uh, vr should be where this uh, thing moves Mm. towards but because of the price the barrier to entry uh, of cost of the consoles itself and then the um vr headsets Mm -hmm. on top they don't seem to be going down in price that much at Mm -hmm. all or if they are they're inferior and they don't work with half of the stuff that's coming out in the future it's like we're in this weird spot it feels like this is a difficult second album for the (laughs) gaming industry where we just we have the the drive of graphics we have these huge big budget uh, cinematic spectacles Mm -hmm. but there's no meat on the bone it's kind of like how we were talking about the Marvel uh, cinematic universe it's like it's Flash but no meat like where, like where's where's the actual like purpose of the gaming industry at the moment yeah. it seems like we're just drifting yeah and i think like that it's like how much of that is just the pandemic how much of that is the is the 2022 has just been a recovery yeah. year but also you know what projects are in the works and, and yeah. things like that i should also clarify as well that this is only looking at it in the triple a gaming perspective mm. because uh, like the indie game scene is still crushing it yes. i know that we touched on previ- uh, previously last week mm-hmm. that i was talking to you about the um the game jam stuff where they did you were talking about that table games. golf rocket league thing yeah yeah, there's like just loads of like um, these game jam stuff that came out recently where mm. the concept was uh, dice based stuff oh, yeah. and I was just watching I think it was writing on gaming and if uh, you don't, uh, don't follow them follow them they are amazing mm-hmm. um they did a uh, like 50 best games to come out of the game jam mm-hmm. and I looked at them and I was just like the sheer creativity that is on display here mm-hmm. that came out of a what is it a 48 hour window because yeah, it's only the weekend it. sometimes it's just a weekend yeah. sometimes it's a week or something like that but either way mm-hmm. such a short time period mm-hmm. and these things looked ready for market they were ready to go I would lo- and- I mean, like I would love that if, if it was like the Rockstar Game Jam the Naughty Dog Game Jam like yes, I said in the exactly. videos like I would take 10 smaller projects from Naughty Dog from Rockstar from anyone um, rather than a giant thing that takes 5 to 8 years to come around and might be yeah. broken at the end of it anyway I just want to see cool creative game mechanics that play towards what the systems can do Going back to like an age-old argument that you and I have had, which mm. is about the idea of transparency within the video game industry, mm. um, how amazing would it be if they gave uh, certain people who went to these like developer-centric game jams access to developer co- uh, toolkits mm. that gave them assets from some of their games? So imagine oh, like if it was sharing. a case of like Rockstar rocks up and then just goes, hey, look, uh, here's all the assets for Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. You have a weekend to build us a mission. <laughs> and then we basically cool. go through and like... They 
they could use them as DLC packs. They could do yeah. it like um, how Valve uh, finally introduced that Left 4 Dead 2 level that was made by um, uh, like a fan of the series and yeah. then got so popular. It was included as an official level. Well, that's how that you, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's how you reward players. You make them involved in the process. Mm-hmm. And no offense to the to the developers out there. Like there are so many talented people out there that are better than the people working in house mm-hmm. that are unrestricted by the sort of rules and regulations that maybe go on within that and mm-hmm. maybe the unseedy practices of crunch culture that maybe drain the incentive to work creatively True. these are fans who are passionate about the projects mm-hmm. that you're allowing them to work on so why not utilize that that would be a, like why not connect there with the gamers in a better way yeah that would be an awesome way to do like the game jam mentality but apply it to a quote-unquote triple a production like if you had if you kept it all in a certain setting or something you have to on the legal side of it would be kind of crazy because you have to make sure that they're working you with licensed assets but they can't you could, replicate you could them do it like um on a closed circuit intranet style thing mm-hmm. where like you cannot access anything outside you get to bring in uh, like authorized assets from thing to the game jam and mm-hmm. you make it there with the devs uh, on hand to sort of like show and uh, recommend ideas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. that. That would not only be like an internship program that would allow developers to then pick the best of the best to go on to mm-hmm. work with them in the future but it would actually benefit like publishers like Rockstar well, who have I mean, so much money that they could involve, they could uh, uh, develop another studio mm-hmm. they could invest into the future of gaming right there and then. Yeah overall I've always wanted more like you talk about transparency like just more of making of stuff more mm-hmm. like you know behind the scenes stuff like some my favorite like because if they're so rare like you can see indie game the movie you can watch um double fine um double fine adventure is like tim yeah. schaefer talking about how they made uh broken age but i and sony for a while did a making of series with will wheaton it was like a, a few weeks long or whatever oh, where God, they, i remember that, that it, was was a, yeah. it was like a round table it's kind of like, um like the hollywood reporter stuff where they got a bunch of game devs to sit down and talk about making games but that didn't last very long it was it did completely scrapped <clears throat> when sony swapped out their um ceo people doing stuff like that i feel it just is invaluable it's like let us see how these games are made let us see the creators more like there's only a handful of creators that whose names get out there your Kojimas your whoever yeah. and I feel like there's so much more that the industry could do with this is how games are made like you know there's always so many unrealistic expectations of what's going to be coming out and you could just get out ahead of that by showing assets and showing the creative process and doing the game jams and everything else yeah I think that the industry is way too locked up um, in that regard next question from Bugenhagen does who says UVP nice. UVP are there any creatives that would get you hyped to pre-order a game Hideo Kojima Amy Hennig for me, I will jump on any game Drew Carpishan writes. Now, Drew Carpishan is the Mass Effect maestro. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? Do, you? do you have any creatives these days that are like, I'm going to see what that, that guy's doing next? I'm only really Kojima for me these days. Well, this is the thing. I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, the idea of the author game director is a kind of double-edged sword mm-hmm. for me. Um, I think that it's fantastic if you can get people to act as champions for the industry, as spokespersons and figureheads who go mm-hmm. out there and say, this is my unique idea and I want to do this and I have the financial backing. Like, I respect the uh, ability of Hideo Kojima to exist within this uh, industry, create the game that he wanted to make without mm-hmm. any rules or regulations or restrictions. I think that that is a fantastic example of, yes, I can. Um, True. However, as we've discussed many times before, maybe somebody should have been pulling the reins in a few areas of Death Stranding to pull things back in to respect the gamer's time mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sensibilities over what the whims of this director was. Mm-hmm. So... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. You get good guys, you get bad guys. And I don't like sometimes how decisions that are made by the majority end up being placed on the few. Like, I personally have hold no love for Peter Molyneux. I do right. feel yeah. like um, the way that he makes video games is that he is a fantastic salesman, but maybe puts his teams into very awkward positions where, like, how um, recently uh, Tesla people came out and said that Elon Musk used to just go out on stage and say, hey, we're going to have self-driving cars by the end yeah. of the year. And they were learning about it then when mm-hmm. he was saying that. Which so all the time in gaming. So you got to think to yourself, like, um, how unfortunately it was with that guy. Is it Sean something Sean from Murray No Man's... Was the, the whole yeah. thing with Hello Games and No Man's Sky. Yeah. Like, it's it's a nervousness. It's a ability to speak. Maybe it's a misunderstanding about what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. You have these figureheads, and sometimes they can come to reflect the worst aspects of the gaming industry because that's, of mistakes that they make. Yeah, that's something that would go hand in hand with what I was saying about more transparency with the creativity side of it, because Murray's talked about quite a lot that he's selling a version of the game that they hope to make. Like, the reality mm-hmm. of making a game mm-hmm. is that you're just not going to 
have anything to sell for another few months or a year or something so you try and sell what you're aiming for um, and obviously the, the team size and they were very inexperienced with that stuff and um, they sold a whole version of the game that was just never going to come together I mean it's going to come together now but like you know it, it's, it's that's an interesting facet of game development too that you're sort of like selling the flower but when you, all you've got is the seeds and it's like yeah, well, it's going it's yeah. to be this guys and yeah, it's yeah. like well no it's not yet um, but in terms of creatives that I get excited about they're very few and far between these days I feel like the era of the Rockstar game creative has just kind of gone by I'm dying to see what Ken Levine's doing like I mean he hasn't done anything yeah he's been so quiet Bioshock. he's been off the radar like, <laughs> like and what are you up to what like I can imagine that there's like sparks flying out of the underside of his garage <laughs> yeah. there's like, and there's like a partner just going like are you okay in there and he's like yeah fine fine just like this machine <laughs> this machine tool he's constantly whirring maybe a little explosion the ground shakes every once in a while like I'm okay sort of thing he like, out the garage and he's all full of smoke he's got like a suit face and he's yeah he's just, got the, uh, the, uh, the what is it the Professor Weetos from the, uh, the, the box like the hair's gone all mad he's like Doc Brown from the future, Back to the Future he's like, it's like, it's like don't worry about me I need a sandwich and I'll be going back in because like, he apparently yeah. is working on some game that would like redefine narrative in gaming it's like a building block idea like, of narrative that is such a mad statement to yeah. say I will redefine something, something like dude like we're that. still defining half of the time <laughs> but I mean the dude that like broke the fourth wall did the would you kindly stuff um, yeah. you would assume that that guy has some thoughts on narrative in gaming but yeah it's been almost 10 years since Bioshock Infinite like that'll be 10 yeah. years next year so yeah I am um, I'm cautious when it comes to um, individual creatives but I'd like to see more of them there's only one person that I actually do try and keep tabs on, mm. uh, and that is the original creator of uh, XCOM, Julian Gossip. Oh yeah, um, and he has uh, he and his team uh, made Phoenix uh, Point, I believe it's called, yep. uh, where it's like an XCOM but meets Cthulhu style mm-hmm. monsters. It's very very good, uh, worth checking out if you mm-hmm. are into that sort of like turn based strategy style thing mm-hmm. um, or squad management strategy stuff. Uh, but apart from that, I don't really follow the auteur directors that much because I do believe. That that it's teams of people rather it, oh, than that. Oh, definitely is. I and, think and it's, I, yeah. I always worry about, like, there being the sort of, like, glory hog mentality of, mm. like, oh, we attribute everything good about Metal Gear Solid to Kojima. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Driving force and all, and everything that he said probably did, you know, at some point ha- have his say-so, mm-hmm. but it was the team that worked with him to create such stupendous moments within that franchise. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's probably a fair few sour, like, well, uh, notes like... that have been left. Like, you've got to imagine that when he departed from Konami, it probably wasn't done to the complete chorus of boos to their employer. It probably was a few people saying, like, look, we actually can now work our own stories into That's this. true. Well, there was the whole thing when Death Stranding came out, and I forget the name of the dude, but there was some guy that had always worked alongside Kojima most of his career and seemed to be the dude that was anchoring that guy. He seemed to be the guy that was anchoring Kojima um, because over the years, Kojima just got more and more insane yeah, yeah, fandom yeah. pain yeah. in Death Stranding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of a creative that you can go back to, like a Tim Schafer, that you can sort of bounce ideas off and be like, is this right for the vision? Is this what we're going for and um, like a good leader like I think there's a good there's a um, structure in game design for that or a structure in creativity for that but it's interesting like what you just said like everyone thinks of like the MCU as the uh, as the Kevin Feige did all that and it's yeah, like yeah, not yeah. really and I was watching Dan Murrell who's a really really good film reviewer um, talk about you know Sarah Finn is like the MCU's casting director and she just doesn't get any of the plaudits for immaculate casting choices like every yeah. single person that's cast in the MCU is bang on um, especially in the new generation too and so like it's worth you know like, like you said it's worth highlighting the team like it's a team effort Um, and that can be one of the pitfalls of thinking like oh it's all this guy like you know it's a Hideo Kojima game it's like well actually it's a 400 people game but because that's the thing when it says something like that it's a Hideo Kojima game Mm -hmm. that's selling you on the premise that it's 
solely his idea and and no one no one at any other point gave any inspiration to him <laughs> it all came from the top down i do like in kojima's case that he does do a bit of everything like he cuts his own trailers and he sort of yep, when he wants the fair. making of stuff he dives into the different departments and he does a little bit of everything um which is quite good um but anyway next question from matthew mcgowan who says did you like the old rts games back in the day when that was a thing red alert 2 warcraft 2 and 3 are some of my favorite games of all time and i miss the whole genre oh, um, man. yes that was when i used to play them <laughs> so then. come on and Conquer, Red Alert, yeah. uh, and Red Alert 2 were the games. Me and my cousin Neil <laughs> used to play them religiously. I would go over to his house like during the summer holidays and uh, we would just, we wouldn't play any of the story missions. We wouldn't do anything else. We'd just go onto the sort of like battle setup mm-hmm. one and that's all we'd play. Mm-hmm. Hardest difficulties or we'd do little challenges to ourselves, be like, okay, you can't collect this or you can only build this right. many bases and stuff like that. Uh, or you have to attack when I say you have to attack sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like, I love those games because... I think they had like a moment, like the late yeah, 90s, early 2000s. It, do you know what they are? They are those um, games that are the definition of slow burn because mm. you just start off and you are just building slowly and then all of a sudden, boom, you have got like this amazing force that you can then launch outwards mm-hmm. and start going to tackle and take all of the resources from your opponents. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love those games. I um, I don't know if you played... Do you remember the Army Men games? Do you ever play any of them? Yeah, I do remember Some them, of them, actually. they were like known at the time for being some of the worst games in the industry. But oh, they some, were bad. I remember... I had Sarge's something, which was like a oh, PS1 Sarge's game. Heroes, it was I think. bad, a real bad game. Because <laughs> that whole franchise was just, okay, what's in at the time? Let's do a version of that. And they were yeah. nearly all terrible. However, Army Men RTS is legit awesome. And I, I used to love that game. Um, just I, just everything you said, it's a slow burn, it's a payoff, but it was mm-hmm. it was polished nicely enough. It played really well. It was satisfying. Um, I used to love that. But like you said with Command and Conquer, that used to be the franchise. Like it was Tiberian Sun or whatever was the one yeah, 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 yeah. in 97 or something. Um, yeah, that thing used to dominate weirdly enough though i think like trying to think back into the dusty attic that is my brain (laughs) i have a vague memory of my mum and me playing age of empires 2 nice i'm pretty sure that she had it installed on the pc Mm -hmm. and was actually yeah no this is i never asked for this like um (laughs) my mum actually had this game she's 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 not a gamer in the slightest she would never understand uh what was going on with half of the stuff i was playing Mm -hmm. but i remember saying like what's that and she was like oh it's a game where you just build up civilizations Mm -hmm. and she's a huge history nut so for her that was probably the best way to get her into those sort of games and she never played it that much but mm-hmm. she helped me play it up to the point where she lost understanding of what to do in the game at that point point. Uh-huh. and then I would take it from there and then I remember building just like a weird castle or a little hut or something like that and we were just so happy with that it was just like <laughs> yeah this is great this is great and then I think that the, the attacking started happening and then my mum was like nah we're not we're not into that. we're into the build we're into the building side of well, things well see I don't know if you played uh, I'm just having such a flashback to 1993 or something did you play Sid Meier's Gettysburg <laughs> No, I did not play that. No, <laughs> it was like I used to play like the really old Civ games, and then I had a I had a disc for Sid Meier or Sid Mia's Gettysburg, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like a really old like yeah RTS tactical whatever that was thing. Um, but yeah, that's in flat. Some someone out there will know what Sid Meier or Sid Mia's Gettysburg is, and I know that Sid Mia slash Meier is a big deal, but I can't get his name right, so I don't remember. But <laughs> I think it's Sid Meier. I think it's Sid Meier. So. It was a, it was a thing back in the nineties. Um, next remember, question. I, oh, sorry, sorry just one more that I remember yes. that was just a really weird one is uh, Sim ant 
you could, yeah, you could build an ant colony and um, there was a cheat in it that I'm pretty sure that if you pressed it, you would be able to shoot laser beams from the ant's eyes or this tarantula would shoot laser beams. It was nuts. This game was those, nuts. Um, is it Discovery or National Geographic had those games where you play as like a scorpion and you can like, go, you, oh, it's just, yeah. you're in like oh, a colony was... and you can just stab dudes with your like stinger thing. Where was the play as a sloth one, mate? Where was oh, that mate, one? That, that, would, that would, oh. Kill. Do like, <laughs> like an I am, oh yeah, like a murderous sloth rampage. Yeah. If, uh, do an I am bread game where you play as a sloth and you got to swing around. But very oh, that, would actually be, that would actually be really good. I, would, I know. I would, if, you, like, if you had done the it. physics thing of like having to, like because of the hooked claws, yeah. of having to like hook onto stuff but swing through and, and not do, grab like, your own arm and die. That'd be, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah it that. writes itself. Uh, but next question from Abby who says, how are we feeling about pumpkin spice and spooky season being right around the corner? Well, that breaks my mind, the fact that September is only a couple of weeks away, if that, I and know, the fact man. that we're almost done with 2022 and blah, blah, blah. I try it's kind of it. gone really quickly this year, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Uh, I feel like over the last two years, it went very slowly because yeah. of the fact that no one knew what was going on. But now that things are starting to return back to normality, things have been flying. There's just mm-hmm. been lots of events going on as well. I've obviously mm-hmm. been up uh, to see you a fair few times yeah. as well, which has been lovely. Going mm-hmm. up again in two weeks' time, aren't we? Hell yeah, we are. Obviously, we can't say what we're doing, but we will be getting together. Um, sounds much more nefarious than I actually meant it to. Yeah, there, but it's, it's all work-related, don't worry. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm super keen for uh, Halloween. It's mm. a bit disappointing because over the last two years in my street, there has been no trick-or-treating whatsoever. No Aww. kids have like gone around the streets. No one's been sort of asking for you like, sweets. You and and, like, go do it. Go do a lap. I'm really tempted to actually make an effort this year because of the fact that I really hope that people do come around. And mm. I can understand why. No one wanted to like go to other people's houses when there yeah. was like the lockdown stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But I really hope that this is the year that maybe we get that sort of excitement back in because it it's be. for the kids it's it, like Halloween Christmas they're, they're for the kids like as much as we adults love them <laughs> they are for the kids and we should make sure that they grow up to be people who love to celebrate Halloween and spooky stuff and crazy yeah. things like that I feel like um, recently last few years like autumn has become a much bigger thing like my wife loves autumn and so like we'll like deck the house out in autumnal stuff and then she'll like get like she's a, like, is a this t- you saying that you just let, leave the door open and let leaves blow in from the back garden <laughs> it's for the decor jewels yeah, yeah, like yeah. she gets into like she's like a baker anyway like she sells stuff so she like loves like all the different pump, all the different spices pumpkin spice whatever um, and just start making a range of cakes like there's a like, autumn has a smell now in this house that it didn't used to have and that's very nice um, but then she loves like Halloween and everything so yeah. but then I'm seeing that replicated in like autumnal decorations in supermarkets so I'm like okay aut- autumn is a thing now in a way that it wasn't before which it's is a great. Like, marketable it's thing it's a doable thing and so I'm like that's cool and so I, yeah I enjoy it I like it mostly for the food I love all the different spices that we get yeah. around this time like I don't want to be like a basic but pumpkin spice lattes are pretty damn good and I they're good drink, you I can't deny them there's a reason why they're so successful <laughs> and I will drink many of them so yeah I'm cautiously excited but also freaked the hell out that we're about to be eight for eight full months into the year and we'll be in the back third and, and what whatever. do we have to show for it Scott it tells you <laughs> what have we got to show for it nothing not a single new video game um, on the next generation consoles um, next question from Suguru who says good day legends have you watched the Tekken anime also which other video game franchise would make a great anime I have watched the Tekken anime. It's right. And I uh, love Tekken. I, is it a recent one? Because I've only yeah. watched the Tekken uh, animated films. Oh, do well, oh, no, I mean, you? No, sorry, I've watched the Street Fighter animated film, so I'm way off base here. There's a, there's a new anime that came out, I think it was last week, uh, Tekken Bloodline or Bloodlines. Um, is it good? Where it's, it's fine. I just, I'm a huge Tekken fan. I love Tekken so much, and I was mm-hmm. a bit annoyed. Well, I was just a bit disappointed that they boiled it all the way down to just a revenge story. It's just Jin getting revenge well, on Hihachi. Well, let's, let's be honest, mate. The wow. Tekken storyline <laughs> is a bit of a 
Messi Mishima. There's a lot There's a lot going on, but I think there's a lot of threads to pull from, especially character-based ones. And the characters, like there is a tournament, there is like a whole thing where you're meeting yep, all these different yep, people, yep, yep. and you meet Horang, you meet Armaki, sorry, you meet King, and everything else. And they talk about like they're like, oh, you know, we all have like really good reasons to fight, and they hint at everything else. And I'm like, you could have just put them in there. You could have had multiple characters with reasons to fight, and oh, then you would so care they about. Don't do every single no, character. They, they just have a Jin. focal point. Ooh. And it's just like it's like if you really cared about everyone fighting, and then you had those showdowns, you would really care about who goes through to the next round. And it's like that would have been a great structure for like a fighting tournament movie TV show is a great overall structure. See, I would have had it so that it would have been Paul and Law would have been the two central characters, <laughs> and it's them going into it as like you know friends and friendly rivalries. So then you can mm. build onto that for like a climactic showdown towards mm-hmm. the end, where it's never like I want to kill you, but it's definitely I want to win. Mm-hmm. And then in the background, you have all of the devil stuff going on, which basically right. puts their sort of quarrel into perspective of like, oh, we're just fighting because we want to prove each other the best and like to uh, make our dads proud, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But <laughs> you're fighting because you have a literal devil seed inside well, of you. So that's that what could they, be quite fun. Like, yeah, that's what they do is that you follow Jane. And the thing is, what they do is good enough. I really care about Jane. And I think it lands towards the end, like the final couple of final episode and um, when everything's coming together, you do care just by sheer virtue of spending the, like it's only like a limited series, only like six episodes long, but you do care about what's going down in the finale because of what's happened before. I just mm-hmm. wish there was more to it. I kind of like appreciate the animation. It's like, it's kind of like the new Dragon Ball games where it looks 2D, but then they'll pan the camera around and you, you realize it's 3D and it's like, oh, that's really cool. Um, nice. So there's, there's bits like that that are really, really well done. But yeah, I think overall, <clears throat> it's hard to recommend. I think it's good as an entry step like to the franchise, but my wife who doesn't know Tekken very well was like, this is generic. Like this is boiling it all down to like mm. that revenge kick. And it's like, okay, that, I wish there was a bit more to it. So I thought that was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, but yeah, like it, it gets there. It's just a, it's just a mixed bag. There, it's really hard to do like a, an animated series or like take anything and turn it into a TV series that's mm. a video game because you have to basically just go, okay, what are the most generic things about it? Because Sometimes. that's the thing that people need to know. I mean, like the only examples that I can think that kind of bucked the trend were, do you remember when they brought out that uh, Pokemon Origins uh, animated yeah. run where it was like just doing a recap of the entire <clears throat> original Pokemon, but with like oh, okay. little, like it, they were tiny short uh, animation mm-hmm. videos. That was great because it was basically like hit the key points but also have enough insight into every other scene mm. it was for like die hard fans mm. and I wish that from the sounds of it that Tekken one had done the same for you yeah I just I kind of wish they did like an episode per character I just wanted it I just, that would have made a lot to, more sense I yeah. wanted to care about the bouts that were going down and they jump through loads of them like they'll refer to something like there's a bit where Paul's going to fight Kuma Kuma's a giant bear yeah and yeah, they yeah. Just, you want to see that yeah they just do that as a cast off joke it's just sort of like oh and I heard that Paul Phoenix fought a bear and it's just like what yeah, no, like, they should have shown that yeah, that would have been a it's, a, it's an actual round in the tournament but they don't talk about it they don't show it and it's just like just have fun with the law you've literally got the most generic uh, arc for an animated uh, series a tournament arc where you literally are meant to show every battle that goes (laughs) on so that you can build the stakes Mm -hmm. like name me a tournament arc that doesn't do that that's weird if you don't include all of the fights because even if they're over like in My Hero Academia where they Mm -hmm. have their tournament arc they have some fights that are over you know in a snap of a finger Mm -hmm. but they show them and it makes you then go oh blimey the person who won that is like exactly like I don't know why they haven't done that I'm annoyed for you I know man that was my thing with the new Mortal Kombat I was like it's a Mortal Kombat (laughs) tournament the movie the 2021 one without a Mortal Kombat tournament like what do you why show the fighting show the fighting get people in and then hope that it works better next time around but I'm like just lead with your best foot forward like instead of this building stuff imagine being on the like 
board of like administrative executives at that point. It's like, right, guys, I've got two words for you. Mortal combat. Mm-hmm. Wicked. I'm in. Uh, what should we do then? Should we show the brackets? Nah, see, the thing about Mortal Kombat is we're not going to show any of the actual Mortal Kombat tournaments because uh, uh, tournaments don't track well with people. So it is our selling point. It is also our name. Can we sort of tease the idea of like a fighting cage at the end? And we're going we're gonna to advertise Scorpion being in it, but he's only really going to be in two scenes. And we'll sort of get there maybe the next one it's, big burns. Uh, it's not great final question from Travis G who says what are your top big box board games slash tabletop games to play with friends now you're more educated in this than me although I do have a whole room full of board games but I feel like you keep up with it better than me I feel like I should do the old like cracking the knuckles and be like well <laughs> damn the dust over this dusty tomb I mean the uh, one that <clears throat> we've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of uh, with playing with people in the office and outside mm-hmm. has been the thing infection yes. outpost 31 I absolutely adore that game if you've not played it before it's a betrayal game uh with up to i believe it's between six to eight players mm-hmm. um that's the sort of max uh, the uh ideal number and what you do is you take uh different teams one of you is a captain you choose other players to go and complete missions and you submit cards to the captain and they can either be relevant to the mission or they can be sabotage ones mm-hmm. if you have been assimilated and are a thing. Now, if you're a thing, your end goal is to cause as much chaos as possible but also be extracted with the rest of the humans at the end of the game on the helicopter mm-hmm. and the humans, obviously, they need to hunt down who is the thing uh, through a uh, process of elimination by taking different people on uh, to different missions mm-hmm. and weeding them out so you can leave them behind in the cold to freeze. I will never, ever forgive us for being yep. the thing and because yep. you know, the, whole, the whole thing is like the, the whole thing in the thing is that you're playing through and you have cards like oh it's a rope so if you think someone is evil you think someone is the yeah. thing you yeah, can yeah, tie yeah. them up and then obviously yep. in real life that person's going I'm not I'm fine I'm, yeah, I just, yeah. and it becomes like the movie it's great and then at the very end you get the escape chopper kind of thing and um, but there's one last chance for if someoneone's evil and they're in that midst they can sabotage and, yeah, yeah. and uh, crash the helicopter and I remember Ash just turning her card over and she was like I've been the thing all along and I was like what and she yeah, killed I know. all of us I know. that was a masterful play like yeah that game is perfect for that stuff the, the mm-hmm. one that I grew up playing was Avalon which is very like, very very yes. similar yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is a much better version of it in terms of like the stakes and if you love the thing as a movie um, or a setup or whatever like the opportunities for sheer effery are pretty damn good like yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it's awesome such a fun game um, if you want something a bit more like uh, chaotic and crazy and easy to pick up I might suggest to you Gore Chosen which is mm. a game which is made by the fine people at Games Workshop who do Warhammer Warhammer 40k Age of Sigmar and all that Mm-hmm. It's a very short board game where uh, up to four players go into a battle arena and all you got to do is just beat the piss out of each other. You roll dice, <laughs> you make life, attacks. Or... Well, yeah, up to, up, well. To, up to you, isn't it? If you want to take it personal <laughs> to the next level. Um, you've got cards which can determine whether you move, attack or defend uh, and you use uh, them to do those things mm-hmm. uh, and your objective is to literally just be the last person standing. It is ah, hilariously fun. That's cool. I am, because I don't have that many like really like deluxe big box stuff but I do have the Dark Souls game which I know oh, that they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love that. I know they patched it but they patched it. They re-released it's weird. a they lot have, of stuff. They have patched it. They kind of patched it. Like yeah. they sort of admitted that they got the um, the way the bonfires work they wanted to change. They're called sparks. Very in difficult. The game. Very difficult. Yeah, they were like do the whole thing on like three lives essentially which was in a Dark Souls game is very hard um, and there's a lot of like dice roll stuff in there but when that game worked and especially the way that they do the boss battles in, in board game form mm-hmm. where like it's it's all on a board game but then the um, the statue of the boss is like can turn and that affects its attack radius and then it depends yeah. where you are whether you're out whether you're evading I think that stuff was so cool 
because what they used was this thing called a deck AI. So mm. you draw from the deck and it tells you what movements and actions that uh, boss or enemy is going to do. Mm. And it's just fantastic because you don't know necessarily what the boss is going to do next, but you do know its moves by, mm. a, by going through a couple of rounds against it. So you can start to predict and learn to be yeah. like, okay, well, I've just seen it's used three of its five attacks. I know that one of them is going to be a wide sweep in its front arc. So I'm mm. going to dash behind it using my attack mm-hmm. and hope that it's not that. And there's nothing better that when you flip over that card it then is that thing that you predicted <laughs> and it whiffs entirely and then you just go right everyone you've got a free yeah, attack like option go for it coordination side of it it's just sort of like yeah you, you stand here I'll stand here I'll be ranged you attack and it lands in the wrong place you all dive in yeah. at the same time yeah that um, the Dark Souls board game is one of my favourite board games but I've never finished it I've just I've always got wiped out eventually because it's just so hard but I guess that's kind Do- of the point do you know what though? Um, Steamforged, who made uh, the Dark Souls board game, they've mm. actually like gone and done so many decent uh, video game IP board games. They did uh, Resident Evil One, Two, and Three, oh, yeah. um, which uh, Three is amazing by mm. the way because you actually get hunted by the nemesis nice. throughout the game, and that is especially tense. Mm. Um, they also, I think that they did. Oh, they did a Horizon Zero Dawn board game as well, oh, which is really yeah. really good. Yeah, I, I thought Can that was fantastic. That one as well. Uh, there is a Fallout one that's made by Mephidius or Mephi- right. I don't know how you pronounce that name but it's, mm-hmm. um, they, they've worked on that one and that's a really clever idea what you do is you've got like two teams playing um, it's like you've got like, five or ten models per side mm-hmm. but you've got like basic nothing weaponry to start with so right. you've got to run into the map to grab items and weaponry to, <laughs> to equip your character kind of like a battle royale does they should so have done got- that in the actual Fallout game I, I I know I, it's it's weird. There's there's loads. Of, there's another Fallout game as well that I think that Rich Hudson's got, which mm. um, that's you the one I'm thinking from, of. Yeah. Oh, you move from like vault to vault. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is called Wasteland Survivor. That's okay. that, that's the one I'd recommend because it's more well, it's akin to Warhammer in the sense of you're rolling mm. dice and shooting enemy figures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's smaller, more compact, and you can build up teams and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I will very super quickly end on. And um, we had a lot of people asking for indie game recommendations, but that oh, they okay, were sure. further down my document. But I uh, I do want to shout out Cult of the Lamb um, and Midnight oh, that's Fight been doing Express. Doing the rounds, hasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. my god, those games are immaculate. Well, F- Midnight Fight Express's script is is hilariously all over the yes. place. But so I have. Yeah just downloaded that and I played it uh, for a bit last night after right. we had our little like uh, call and mm-hmm. I was like has Scott <laughs> got this horrendously wrong to no. begin with because I got through the first three levels and was like I just am Drone. mashing X I'm not doing anything interesting right. I'm just like the, the setting of this the dialogue I'm just like oh this is very cringy this is like first draft style thing <laughs> oh, of, I love like, the setting like, the like, like they're just they're just they're like oh you're here we're here don't question it let's move and uh-huh. I was like okay the soundtrack is utterly insanely good yes but then when I started sinking in like skill points and seeing all the challenges and other stuff mm-hmm. now now I'm at a stage where I'm probably about 15 levels deep out of the right. 40 levels that are on show and I'm like oh this game is good oh, this is massively. Hotline Miami meets the Batman Arkham combat system with kind of. uh, loads of like uh, it's like the Warriors wow. like yeah, there's, the ev- Warriors. there's like a yeah, gang yeah, yeah. every level it, dude it's oh man that game gets so good like I think the script for as much as it's kind of cringe at the start has so much fun with itself over time like there's a bit where you go to a, a gang of game devs and they're all yeah. like in bed with the um, like the guy that's running the city and they're just like <laughs> the guy's giving like a PR talk to the rest of the crew and he's like you guys might realize that we ran out of funding but like we've kind of got in bed with 
with this other dude and like you might realize there's a bunch of weed in the corner because we're a grow house now but at least yeah. we can do the sequel and it's like yeah. that's fun like I like the guy because it's, it's a one man dev team which I think is insane like mm-hmm. minus uh, Noise Cream doing the music for it um, which again shout out to Noise Cream that soundtrack is phenomenal mm-hmm. um, but yeah like it's one dude writing coding everything which is in yeah, itself knowing insane knowing that I have to admit that I'm very impressed with uh, what they've done mm. I will say that now that the game has clicked I think that it's probably it's up there with one of my favourite games of 2022 mm-hmm. so far just because of how fun and relentless that it is mm-hmm. uh, but you that do need to get is hard though, I, yeah. I feel like you need to just get past the first like three or four levels for it's it's that really train quick, level like, that stupid bit where with it can the, um, take sniper. you immediately yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. sucks I, like, I'm just like I wish that wasn't in there there's a bit where they bring it back in like level 30 odd and I'm just like no <laughs> but what's funny is that, that like a couple of levels onwards you've got a similar style thing with those <clears> two <throat> actual train tracks that are lined yes. and the train rolls through and I loved that one because I was there like grabbing people pushing them into it I was like doing little like combos and holding them there just so mm-hmm. I could dive out of the way at the the last moment I love that it's just that. like the feel of combat is because they just, you just hired a couple of martial artists and motion captured them so it's like everything is like mm-hmm. every hit is and you get so many environmental finishes and weapon finishes and you can pick up anything and just just throw a chair at a guy it I really love, like, gets that um, rolling through an object pressing R1 on the controller and you'll like automatically throw you it as soon as you fling finish in a chair. Yeah, you fling it in someone's <laughs> face and they're like ooh like that is so like good when you're, the, when you're in the office you can just pick up the hoover the vacuum and just like yeah, stomp so- it off a guy's face it's, <laughs> yeah. it's great um, but yeah I just wanted to shout those games out because we had a few indie game recommendations asking people asking for the best indies um, Midnight Fire Express and Cult of the Lamb are both immaculate right now um, we'll do some more indie stuff going forward because there's a lot sure, of sure. stuff this year I need to get my head around um, listing some stuff but anyway this has been the entire Battle Podcast the UBP the UBP UBP I've been your host Scott Hilford joined by Jules Gill thank you very much for having me you can find us over on Twitter I'm at slash LP89 Jules is at at retro J but the O is a zero be beautiful and we'll catch you guys all next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.